have to share with you this morning is that we need to begin to think about Christmas from a completely different perspective. Because as Christians, though Christmas has been taken over, I've been ripped from my grip, and it's now become, uh, belongs to some other people, it's quite interesting, my, my Muslim friend opposite my house sent me a Christmas card. And um, I, was, I was thinking, okay, what do I send back in return? I'm going to send a Bible verse to our family and uh, preach the word. Because really, I think that is our calling at Christmas time. Because people, anyway, let me not get to the end of our message before I even start. But um, how many of you have been to a, a Jaguar or a Ferrari showroom before? <laughs> there's a Jaguar um, shop, there's a Jaguar showroom near my house and I, I pass by sometimes and I, I peep inside. It is brilliant. Or who's been to a five-star hotel with, actually this hotel has Clinton, um, uh, what's the guy's name, um, Obama has slept in this hotel. This is one of the five most expensive hotels in the world. I mean, look at what it looks like. It looks surreal. It looks absolutely out of this world. And you've got to live in that world of fantasy to actually appreciate this. All right? But the fact is that they don't really show you the other part. Nick. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a Ferrari showroom. You, you walk in and you ask yourself, what am I really doing here? Because <laughs> if, if you break your light bulb there, probably spend your whole lifetime paying for it. But Nick, the next one, please. But they never show you this. You know? They never show you this part. You know, like the, the back room. You know? Next one, Nick. Or this. The hotels, they never show you this. Everybody wants to put their best foot forward. And that's something about nature, something that we, we as human beings do. You know? We, we don't really want to know how things work anymore. All we want is the finished package. We want, want it now. We want it perfect. We're not really interested in the nitty-gritty of things. So our whole life is made up of us chasing finished packages. But celebrating Christmas has gone the same way. You know, the picture perfect um, finish. We've managed to turn, not us, but the world has managed to turn an event that was painful and miserably difficult and yet glorious into a glamorous, cheap Hollywood event. And somehow, we've gotten swept along with it. And our need to dull our senses from anything that will remotely stir our hearts has been capitalized by the media. We are actual victims. The media has a purpose. It's a battle. But we don't know it. But there is a battle raging... But that battle is so subtle because the plan 
is to quietly, but in a very subtle way, replace that which was glorious and wonderful with something that is mundane and ordinary. Because the idea is, when they turn, what used to be, next slide, this. Mary and Joseph will have lived in an environment like this. This is, this is reality. This, is, this will have been Christ's reality. And they've turned this into this. And they tell us it is, it is symbolic now. It, it, it's, um, there's a word that they use. Uh, it's, um, it's got to be uh, reflective. And so what they're trying to do is to make your salvation cheap. So that you don't actually focus on the important issues. There's some that are actually gold-plated and they look all really... Who's seen those um, beautiful Christmas cards with gold and silver and it looks really nice? And what they do is to dull your senses to what actually happened. To the impact, so that it has an impact on you. So that you understand that not only was the salvation bought at a very great price. That the birth of Christ was not something that was common and ordinary. So if we look at how Christ came into the world, and we turn to the book of Matthew, or sorry, the book of Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, I'm becoming more like ants now, I need two glasses, one to see small and one to see long. <laughs> So Luke 2 says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem. The distance was 80 miles. The town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. So they were engaged. I was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A lot of controversy about whether Christ was born in a barn or whether he was born in a farmland. But the controversy is unnecessary. The issue is, what, how did Christ enter the world in terms of the circumstances? First, if you look at Mary, a Jewish woman. Now we know about Jewish women. We know their history. Uh, if you remember when, when Moses was born, the, the Egyptian midwives were kind of perplexed that every time they get to the, the pregnant woman's house, she's given birth and baby disappears. So they're strong women. We know that. But we also know that Mary had to travel 80 kilometers from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. Well, they had to pass through some rugged desert terrain. Really difficult environment. 
I mean, for a normal person, you do the trip, you will feel the impact. For a pregnant woman, what she went through is not something that was normal. And also, she might have had help to give birth. Because it's, it's not, I don't think that Mary had to give birth to Christ on her own. She might have had help. But the fact was that they couldn't be accommodated in a decent environment. They were actually made to, to stay in a room where animals were kept. So, whether it was a barn or it was a, a, a farmland or it was just a family room, it's irrelevant. The fact was that her, as a pregnant woman, and this is something that is known all over the world, even in my culture, I will fight for a pregnant woman on the streets. I will. Reason being that she is in need. In fact, we say in my culture that when a man fights for a pregnant woman, he's also, um, somebody else will fight for his wife somewhere when she's pregnant. So what you do for a man is really here, hold it for me, rather than I give you this. But Mary went through a very painful experience, giving birth away from home in a strange land and very difficult conditions. But what we see is the glamour that they've placed around the whole nativity theme. So that the idea is so that you lose, so that they want to make you understand or feel that Christ was born in a normal environment. So if, if he was born in a normal environment, that makes him normal also. But we know that he wasn't. He was an extraordinary child, born into a world that was waiting for centuries for him. Also, if you look at Joseph, I mean, think about it. You're just got ma- where you're about to marry, and your wife is pregnant. You have to lie to his family. It's my wife and my baby, and he had to stay there and, and, and watch a child that is not his being born. He had to take all that in. He had to actually um, agree to all that because he believed what the angel of the Lord told him. But if I was the one, a part of me would still be wondering. Uh, not sure. Not really sure. But in that situation, he had to be a father to Jesus. But in all that, the circumstance of the birth of Christ was set from the beginning. It had to come from a humble beginning. Because how could he have reached all the poor? How would he understand the, the plight of the poor if he hasn't known poverty himself? And I, I do know one thing, that by the time Christ was 12, he knew he, who he was. I'm sure he would have probably had done things that are standard people. Maybe there no, there's no history of it. But if he was able to argue and debate with men that are learned in the temple, and his father asks him, so what are you doing there? You're going about my father's business. So he knew somehow that he wasn't a normal kid. And I'm sure his friends would know too. But his birth was meant to be exactly the way it was. Because God wanted Christ to come from that humble state so that he would set an example for us. Because that was why he was able to tell the rich man, the rich young man, look, what do you need to do to sell off your riches? Come follow me. Because look at me. I live the life. I walk, I, I do, I walk the talk. If Christ had been born in an opulent environment or some rich family, he would have struggled to read the poor. So they're telling him, yeah, you can talk. Yeah, you, you're wearing 
gold and silver, we're sitting in the dawn. But he knew what they knew. He lived with them. He ate where they, what they ate. He was able to identify with them. And because he said, for these have I been called. They have to be like them. So, let this Christmas period be different for you. Share the turkey, share a glass of wine, but share Christ. Man, I cannot believe that we, we test eternity. We understand and take hold of this great and wonderful opportunity we've been given. And then we live a mediocre life. Then you live a life of no mercy. Man, I, I, it doesn't make sense. No wonder the people, the, the, the apostles that, that got, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they, they were crazy. They were running around telling people, man, do you know there's Jesus? They filled the streets. And people listened to them because God gave them utterance. Why didn't we, why is it that we've, we received this wonderful gift? But then, we kind of we keep it, you know, bottled up in a little place, you know. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a quiet Christian. I'm a, 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 a quiet Christian with the Bible apps on my iPhone. No, we don't carry Bibles anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's evidence that you're a Christian. That your Bible apps is on your iPhone. And you can be a Christian quietly. Oh, I don't need to intrude. Why not? I know this is a different culture. Some people say, no, you have to... Um, Allow people to believe what they, they want. Yes, I do. But live a radical life that would change people's lives. Let your life matter. Like, like Mike was just sharing now. What? Think about it. When, when I tell my students at school, if, if you just died now, what would you be remembered for? And you ate food and you got the butt clothes for you and you, you occupied a room. You bred, you were, you were actually taking oxygen that other people needed. What would you have achieved? And the same thing I tell, ask myself, if I die now, what would the world remember me by? Would I leave my, my, my name on the sands of, of time? Or would I be like the grass that today withers and dies and tomorrow the place that it was will not even remember that, that the grass existed there? So this Christmas, if anything, share Christ. Because you know the thing is, God uses this time to touch people's hearts. Because he, he, it's, it's a calling. And they don't know why. They just feel very spiritual around this time. They want to do something. So what do they do? They go to church. And they will get to church. There's something missing, you know. That hunger is still there. It's not satisfied until they meet with the living Christ. Then the hunger gets quenched forever. And they know this is what I've been looking for. Have you noticed that when people get saved, there's always this aha syndrome. Yes, that is what's been missing in my life. And for me as a Christian, I feel that Christmas is, period is a time that we as Christians need to be on the streets. We need to be preaching Christ. You need to, it's a time when you use the opportunity of the tenderness of people's hearts. Slip in a word. Adam, you know what? You know why you feel like this? It's God calling you. It's the Holy Spirit touching your heart. Answer. Christ says in the book of Revelation, he says, that, I stand at the door of every man's heart and I know. You open, I come in and I know. And speak to people.
people about him. But the most important thing, live a life that will impact people. Don't bottle up your Christianity. Man, you cannot afford to have received this wonderful gift and holding on to it yourself. Give it out. Share Christ by the life that you live. Make an impact. Be somebody. Not somebody because the world wants you to be somebody, but somebody because you actually touch people's lives. I'm a teacher, and every day, one way or the other, I find a way to slip in the glory of God in my teaching, in the way I talk to the students. I know the staff, they're a bit, uh, this guy, I don't know what he's going to tell me now, you know. But I live a life that says I am different. I'm not perfect. Man, do I miss it? I do miss it and the kids know. But I am humble enough to go back and call a kid and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I missed it then. Should have said what I said. Should have shouted. You forgive me. Now that is for me what makes me that different. I stumble every day, but I know that God wants me to be different. The Bible says that He's able to make me stand and help me stand. Though I may stumble, He's always reaching out to pull me up. So this Christmas, when you go home to your family, as lots of merriment and lots of jubilation. Don't forget, there are cousins that are not saved. There are aunties that are atheists. There are brothers that are sitting on the fence. This is the time to actually sit down and share from your heart what God has done. And I pray that God will open doors, doors into people's hearts. I will see them saved not just for Christmas, but saved for the, throughout the rest of their life. In Jesus' name. Amen.